Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, one chapter at a time. I am excited about this chunk, this chunk here of Isaiah. This is the part where we're in the story now. We've heard the prophecies, we've heard the warnings, we've heard the predictions of grace, but now the poetry has ended and we're in this section that's just describing blow by blow what happened. And last time it was it was like an exciting movie moment. You had this uh, commanding general in the army of Assyria there at the gates. He's shouting in Hebrew for everyone to understand. He's trying to intimidate the people of God, trying to scare the people that are on the wall. Let me in. We can end this whole siege right now. You don't, you don't have to die. It's a very tense moment. And then Eliakim and who is it? It's Joah and Shebna along with him. They go in and they deliver the news to King Hezekiah. These, these scary words, the taunt of this guy, this high-ranking official, this, um, you know, Rob Shakay of Assyria. And so now we get his reaction, King Hezekiah. What is he going to say? What are they going to do? How are they going to react to this? Are they going to, you know, surrender? Are they going to try to fight them off? Uh, we we kind of already know, actually, how the story is going to end, but here we're actually getting it from their perspective. And joining us today to look over this exciting chapter of the story, we have one of our regular guests. Um, he's it's been a little while, and I'm very excited that we're, we're having him today. It's Pastor Nabil Noor, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota, also the fourth vice president of the LCMS. Welcome back, brother. Always an honor to have you on. So glad that we're looking at this chapter together today. Saint AJ, you are so very kind. Thank you very much. It's a privilege and honor to be in the Word, for it gives us the truth and leads us to the freedom from every enemy of the gospel. Amen, amen. And certainly, you know, that is the description, right, that he needs freedom, King Hezekiah. The the city of Jerusalem, it's like they are in prison. Um, I think that's actually the language that we had a guest a few, maybe a week ago, who mentioned that there is that um, that artifact that we've recovered actually from the Assyrians and, and the words of, Heb- of uh, Sennacherib is that he had King Hezekiah caged in like a bird, right? He's trapped. He's imprisoned by the Assyrian army. That is correct, actually. It is very correct. And so it's it's um it's easy then, as you were just saying, to actually see the connection here. You know, it's you know, how much is it, you know, when you have the descriptions of, you know, Satan, for example, in the New Testament that he prowls like a roaring lion, you can you can kind of picture Satan as like this Rob Shakay, this this uh, leader of his armies, he's there outside the gates and he's shouting at us. He's trying to intimidate us saying like, you know, you, you can't stop me. I'm going to come in. I mean, it, it, it's kind of similar. It draws a real easy spiritual parallel to us. Well, in the book of Ephesians chapter six, the apostle Paul says we are fighting, uh, not man, but a spiritual warfare. And the devil's purpose has always been to take the children of God away from him. He did it with Adam and Eve. And we have to be again on guard constantly because he wants to take our eyes of the Savior and focus on the problem. He never allows us to focus on the God who is bigger than our problem. Think of St. Peter. He's out in the water. And for a moment, 
he sees the wind and how you see the wind, I have no idea. But mm-hmm. he begins to uh, fall into the water. And the next word, so they may save me, Lord, right? Mm-hmm. He, uh, he sees the problem, but he doesn't see the one who solves the problem right in his presence. And this is kind of what this chapter is about. He wants Hezekiah and his um, priest, the under scribes, to focus on the problem, but not on the one who is able to solve the problem. And that's the key thing that uh, you and I as Christians and followers of Jesus today ought to always remember. Jesus is bigger than any problem that is out there. And he's not like a magic wand or a genie in a bottle. We just call upon him when we are in trouble, although we should. As the catechism always teaches, we should fear, love, and trust in God that we might call upon him in times of trouble. That is our uh, goal, but it should be a practice that we do daily so that the enemy does not get the upper hand. And I'll highlight that when we go through the Hebrew a couple of times that I caught that when I was doing the translation for this uh, chapter. Excellent. All right, yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That is that is the theme, and that's when you compare 36 to 37 here, that's the difference. It's asking, okay, you know, we, we've talked about how you guys have the army and how you guys, yeah, you, you beat Egypt and all the rest of it, right? But, like, let's focus not on the problem but on who God is. So looking forward to, to seeing how that works out here in this chapter. And as we get started with our reading, would you begin by saying a prayer for us, brother, and also for everybody listening today. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed Lord Jesus, it is indeed a privilege and a joy to discover the mysteries of your word. We know the truth, as your Son have said. If you truly are my disciples, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let that word, word, O Lord, be sprinkled in our hearts. Let it grow and mature and sprout so that we might bring forth fruit. And help us to always, with eyes of faith, to see our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has conquered our worst enemies, the unholy trinity, Satan, sin, and the grave. And help us to see what it is that you have accomplished through your third day victory over these enemies, O oh Lord, and have given us the promise. No one will ever snatch us out of your hand. Bless all of our listeners around the globe, O oh Father. And we also take a moment to acknowledge and give thanks to all of the veterans those who have sacrificed and continue to sacrifice for that freedom to live in the home of the brave and the land of the free. Bless our study, O Lord, and may you receive all the glory. And Father, if there is a saint out there who is listening that needs to hear a message of hope, may AJ's word and myself, but above all, your word, bring comfort to their troubled and burdened hearts. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Let's get started here with reading just the before, first Before four. we do that, Go ahead. before you start reading, may I just kind of give a, a little overview of what I put together 
as we look at this chapter. Oh, sure. It's yeah, really I'd, be, ironic, I'd be happy to. It's, a, it's an ironic chapter. It's, uh, it's filled with the paradoxes and the ironies. And here mm. are some of the contrasts that I noticed. Okay. It's full of twists and turns, troubles and triumphs, rebuke and rejoicing, blasphemy and blessing, hopelessness and hope, death and deliverance, harm and help, words versus action. These twists in this chapter draw you to see a great picture of the God who is behind this scene directing every step of people's lives. And we mm. cannot forget that. Yeah. Yeah, no, th- thanks. I turn it over to you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. That that's um, yeah, you know, it, it, that was very well said. And uh, I think you're right that you know Isaiah has been this prophet of poetry who sees all of these uh, poetic reversals in in all the ways that he describes everything to us. And even now, when it comes to the way the story is told, you see the reversals and, and those ironies, like you were saying. So, and we'll, and we'll see some of that even in just the first four verses here. So absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I'll follow along in the Hebrew while you're going. Sounds um, good. And then I'll highlight some of the things that I want to highlight as we go through the, um, the geographical location of where uh, Sennacherib talks about all of mm-hmm. these things. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. It's a lengthy chapter, mm-hmm. but suffice to say what we have is just golden. Uh, absolutely. This is this is a fantastic chapter here in, in the story. I mean, it's just one of the one of the best uh, stories that we, we just don't tell nearly enough. This should, we should tell the story in Sunday school. It's fantastic. But okay, here we are. First four verses, Isaiah chapter 37. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna the secretary and the senior priests, covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer and for the remnant that is left. All right, so All he right. receives the words, and I mean, he's he's so troubled, and he's he sends. Born, uh, he's troubled, and yes. he is uh, distraught. All of these things are true. Couple of things, yeah. For those who are listening, the name Hezekiah mm-hmm. should tell the story: Jehovah is my strength, or God mm-hmm. is my strength. Ironically, in this chapter, where you have. Uh, when he hears the news and he shows every aspect of humility by tearing the clothes, putting the ashes, and then he calls upon his helpers, the scribes, the priests, and those. And then ironically, what he says in verse 4 caused me to stop and say, wait a minute, I've heard this before. Hmm. Uh, And then it begins in verse 4, perhaps, the Lord, your God, mm-hmm. 
will hear this, okay? Mm-hmm. And then he says this a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, in uh, the, la- the latter part of 4, Asher uh, Shema Yahweh Elochecha Ben Asita. Again, when um, he will hear, your God, uh, your God is, uh, um, is the one. And I thought it's ironic this man of God says to Isaiah, rather than my God or our God, he says, your God. And I was reminded of Saul. Hmm. He went to Samuel. He said the same word, your God. And yet later on, we do hear uh, where he prostrates himself. So I don't know why. I didn't spend a lot of time on this. So I just figure out the irony in this um, why is he saying to Isaiah, your God, and uh, rather than our God or our... But, I mean, he's doing everything proper. He's doing yeah. everything proper as far as one who is devout, because you look at chapter 38, he's very devout, devout. he's praying to God, saying, here's what I've done. And then uh, if you look at uh, Isaiah 42, then you have Nachamu, Nachamu, Amar Yahweh, comfort, comfort my people. So we do know the end of the story. And yet the irony is, why does he say, you're God? And then uh, the humility of this man, the humility of this man is really evident in, hey, what do we need to do? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Yes. But ironically. He's not himself doing that, but he goes to Isaiah the prophet and say, hey, uh, lift up, you know, Venesita at the end of four, and lift up, Tepelah, your prayers for the remnant that is still here. And of course, we know what happened because in chapter 36, Sennacherib has besieged or imprisoned, I used that term earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, the countryside. And so he comes with a huge... Massive army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't really paid attention to that. But you're right. There is that expression, "Your God," and you're right that it's mentioned in other places as well. One of the things that comes to mind is that even our Lord in the Gospels actually uses that term, "Your God." I, I think it was. Um, if, I'm getting, if I'm not getting my wires crossed, I, I think the Lord speaks to the women at the resurrection, and He says. Uh, go and tell my brothers that I am ascending um, to God. Well, I think he says, go and tell them I'm ascending to to my God and to your God. I think he uses that, that phrase. So he, even he uses that well, phrase. That is, that is true. You are correct in doing so, except Jesus is the author of life. So he's teaching them right. about this. Here mm-hmm. is a different uh, metaphor that is being used. Right. And I spend a lot of time on it, and I didn't read any of the commentaries on that, but when I was translating, I thought, oh, that's ironic, because I do remember specifically when uh, Saul, you know, Samuel had been delayed uh, in coming, and Saul takes the presumption, and he says, well, I did what your God has asked me to do. Mm. And that kind of drew my attention to these wordings. Yeah. I wonder if it does what it, what it does is it serves to 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 highlight the different kinds of relationships that are at play because like for instance when our Lord says you know to to your God and to my God 
you know, he's been saying all along that he's going to be ascending to his father, highlighting that special relationship. And for that, for him, it's a return, right? I mean, it's, um, right. and, and in some ways it's, it's not that they've ever really been separated, but it, it's just only kind of right and proper that they be together as they truly are. But by him saying your God, it is uh, perhaps a word of comfort that okay, just I'm not actually really leaving you, yeah. right? Like it, it, it's it's highlighting that different kind of relationship. So I wonder if if here when Hezekiah says that, if it's highlighting the different kind of relationship that Isaiah has with God, because the special relationship Isaiah has, right, is that you know Isaiah he's the one who's been commissioned by God to speak on his behalf. He's had his lips. Uh, purged with the hot coal from the altar. He's, you know, seen the flowing train of God among the seraphim. So by saying your God, if this is maybe expressing faith in the word of Isaiah, saying, I know that you are the spokesman of God. I know that you speak for him. I know that when you say something, it's um, it's the word of God. It's not just the word of man. So perhaps it's actually Hezekiah's humble way of saying that he's ready to to listen to whatever Isaiah has to say next, because Isaiah is about to, to speak to the situation. Correct. And I think you are right, and I didn't think about it till you started talking about this, because uh, you and I, AJ, as pastors, we've heard that from our saints who say, Pastor, you pray to God because he yes. will listen to you. Right. <laughs> and I, I just thought of that as you were explaining that, and that's a very good way to say that. Right. You know, it's not that we have a better uh, door to the throne of grace, but, right. you know, the life that we do in the service. And I think that's a, a, another distinction is a king versus a prophet. Right. You know, I think uh, Hezekiah knows his place. It's not mm-hmm. that he can't pray because we do know he's doing the right thing. Of so, course. Anyway, right. that's a very good point. Thanks yeah. for sharing that, too. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's keep going here. So let's hear what what does Isaiah say, right? What is he going to say to this situation here? You know, they, they've humbled themselves and they're ready to to have the prophet speak to this. And so, what does the prophet have to say? So, here all it right. is, in verse five. Then we're just going to go all the way till verse thirteen because this is kind of what he says, and then it actually just happens the way he says. So here it is in verse five. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah uh-huh. said to them. Say to your master, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words you have heard with which the young men of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. The Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. Now, the king had heard concerning Tirhaka, king of Cush, he has set out to fight against you. And when he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them, the nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvaim, the king of Hanar, the king of Eva? Thank you for reading that. Uh, let me just kind of give an overview, of course. Yes. This is... This is um, 
As uh, 37 continues, and let me switch to the Hebrew here, Mm -hmm. um, because he is, this is what the king says, uh, you know, Sennacherib, the king of kings, right? This is Mm -hmm. how we identify him in chapter 36. Right. And in this section, what you really see is the arrogance that this king assumes the authority and the power and the glory that belongs only to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I just wrote a couple of things that I want to highlight as we go through this to explain about the prayer. Uh, We know that God is a jealous God, and he gives his power to no one. And what Sennacherib is doing is taking the place of Jesus, who is often referred to in Scripture as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you can look at this in 1 Timothy 6.15, Revelation 7.14. Those words we have there. Then we have the aspect of God is a jealous God. And you Mm -hmm. can look at that in Exodus 24, as well as Deuteronomy 4.24. And then um, specifically in Isaiah 42.8, which are really beautiful words, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to corrupt Mm -hmm. idols. When you look at that in comparison, what Isaiah, he gives hope to King Hezekiah. Say, hey, don't worry about this. I will put in him a spirit that will do something to change him. And again, I'm going to go back. So reading the account of Saul mm-hmm. when he All was right. facing when he was facing the Philistines mm-hmm. and there was an evil spirit put in him too. And what you see here, really the author of life, the creator of all that is good, as we know in creation, chapter one and two of Genesis, everything that God did was good. And he ordains everything so that he might, excuse me, bring glory to himself, because that belongs to him, and at the same time brings deliverance to his people. And in this prayer that Isaiah shares with the servants who came to him from Hezekiah, tell him, don't be afraid. I love the way he spoke to him. Don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. How many times uh, we hear Jesus? Let not your hearts be troubled. Uh, The angel said to the um, women at the tomb, the empty tomb, don't be afraid. When Mm -hmm. Jesus came in John 20 uh, with the disciples behind closed doors, don't be afraid. All of them, we have these words, fear not, I am the Lord. Okay, And it's the same thing. you got to love what the uh, prophet Isaiah says. Ko Amar Yahweh. Right. Thus, it's in the affirmative. This is something that you can go to the bank with. Don't be afraid from the presence of the word which you have heard uh, against the blasphemy from the servants of king of Assyria. Don't be afraid. Why is that? Because his words are nothing. My word is eternal. 
Right. Yeah, no, absolutely right. He's speaking all these words that are that are scary, right? And he gives that long list of all the nations that have been steamrolled by the Assyrians. You know, he's making it seem like there's just no escape. That's the question, right? You know, behold, you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? You know, here's the scary Assyrian, you know, taunt. Like, what, do you, what makes you so special, Hezekiah? You think you're going to escape? But God's saying, don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. It doesn't matter. What matters, as you just said, brother, is my word. And we're going to pick up that idea when we get back. But we have to go into a short break, um, and then you can uh, just get right back and continue that thought. But everybody hang with us here. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 37 here, looking at this with our guest, Pastor Nabil Noor, and we'll be right back. KFUO listeners, what's one of the most important things in life? Your health. You need to be well to serve well. So if you're in the Concordia Health Plan, now is the time to choose your 2020 benefits. From now through November 15th, go to your personal member portal at concordiaplans.org and sign up for your health care, retirement savings plan, supplemental life insurance, and accident benefits. Sign up now through November 15th. Don't miss out. On the next Lamplighter Theater. Well, this fog is just right for me. And here's the place. Rivington Hall. Now comes the fun part. Ah. Ah. Ain't nobody can pick a look like Black Dolly. No, sir. Don't miss the next Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, inviting you to join us for Issues Etc. weekday afternoons from 3 to 5. Issues Etc. is a live call-in show with a two-fold purpose. We defend and teach the truths rediscovered during the Reformation, grace, faith, scripture, and Christ alone, and we challenge today's postmodern culture with its unbiblical ideology. Issues Etc. live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 37, this story here of what happens when the news is delivered to King Hezekiah and they hear the word from Isaiah the prophet speaking on God's behalf. How is God going to save them from the king of Assyria, the armies that are just right outside the gates of Jerusalem? We're here today joined by Pastor Nabil Noor, uh, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota, also fourth vice president of the LCMS. If you have a question for me or for Pastor Noor this morning, I invite you to call in if you're listening live. 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850, or you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. 
So, brother, yeah, we were just looking at this, um, you know, the prophet saying, don't be afraid. He's speaking like an angel, right? Just speaking this word of comfort. Don't listen to the scary things that the Rav Shakeh is saying. You know, all of this, like, you're going to get steamrolled like all the rest of them. Listen to, to my word. And what's that word? He's going to hear a rumor. This is interesting, right? He's going to hear a rumor and return to his own land, right? And so this, this is kind of an interesting uh, detail that isn't really mentioned elsewhere in Isaiah, but it, it seems to have the effect of uh, delaying things or stretching things out. Um, perhaps you can unpack that for us a little bit. Well, if you look at it, thus says the Lord, going back to verse 6. This is mm-hmm. what God is going to do, okay? And then if you look closely, he said, I'm going to give him to go back to where he came from. Mm-hmm. He's very, very arrogant in what he's trying to accomplish. And because when we get a little bit later, he said, uh, what are you putting hopes in these words of God? And then he compares himself with all of the other kings. He says, right. well, your God is going to be just like all of the other gods. And that's why I highlighted the emphasis about um He's taking the authority of Christ or usurping the authority. And then ironically, at the end of verse 7, I'm going to send him a spirit which he will hear the rumor and he will return to his own land. And there, the Nephal, or the Hephael is actually used, uh, he uh, will be caused to fall by the sword, then we know how it's going to end up. His own two sons literally fall on him, and mm-hmm. they kill him by the sword. So, right. you know, one of the things I often teach my beloved saints of Trinity is that you and I know what happened yesterday, and up to this moment, we know how things are going to go. Mm-hmm. Another hour I cannot see. God sees all things as present. He has no past. He has no future, only as present. So God sees what's going to happen before it happens. And this is what you have right here. He's going, uh, he's going to fall, and he sends him to his own country only so that he may teach a lesson, not only to Sennacherib, but to all of the people, and even for us today, who put our hope and trust in anything but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And that's an important lesson for us to grasp out of this chapter. Absolutely right. God's demonstrating his control over everyone, even over the armies of the Assyrians, that you know, if, if he gives right. them to uh, understand or to... Uh, to think a certain plan of action is the best that they just they go along that way you know god can influence everyone it's not like he only influences um the people who are religious or the or isaiah or something like that he really is the lord of hosts all the hosts all the armies of the earth and so this is this is interesting though because as as you pointed out we do know that in the end Sennacherib's going to go back to Assyria. He's going to fall by the sword, by his the hand of his own sons. Um, we know that there's going to be the angel of the Lord that's going to come and rescue um, in all this. But it's just this interesting detail kind of in, in the interim here, right, that he's going to hear a, a rumor. And it says here in verse 8 that he returned and um, he finds the king of uh, Assyria fighting against, uh, this is referring to the Rab Shekeh now, not, not Sennacherib, he finds the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, um, and there's this hearing of this rumor about the king of Cush. 
So um, what, what's going on with all of this? That it, it seems like the Rob Chiquet is like a, is is some is diverted perhaps, or like he he's disturbed by by hearing about what's what's going on somewhere else. Like he's distracted from what's what's happening in Jerusalem for a moment. Well, remember that God moves everything in this world to accomplish right. his good. Uh, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, my ways are not like your ways, and neither are your thoughts like my thoughts. This guy is so arrogant and proud, and he thinks he has done damage to all of these things, uh, these uh, communities and these cities and these kings and these gods. And now God is saying to him, wait a minute, no, there's something more powerful than you are. And he begins, if you can look at a chessboard, and God is making all of these different kings coming from one side to the next. And he hears the rumor, he says, wait a minute, I got to go back, lest they take over my kingdom while I'm away. And so the direction that's going on right here is God is moving these chess parts to be part of the distraction. And so he pulls him out from where he needs to be because he can't come across that. This is kind of what's going on at this moment. Right. Yeah, thank you. That's helpful. I mean, I'm reminded of, you know, it's uh, I'm reminded of the people of God, you know, led by Joshua marching around, for for instance, the city of Jericho. Right. And, you know, is there is there any logical reason that we can see why they needed to go around the city of Jericho X many times? Right. Like. Uh, well, well, apparently, you know, as we would say, no, it doesn't seem like it, it matters if they circle the city once or 10 times or 100 times, right? But God knows and God has his timing. And, and for whatever reason, the way that God had it all figured out, you know, when they obeyed the word that was given to Joshua, it was in that particular moment then that the walls came tumbling down. And so it seems kind of similarly here that God has said, you know what? Um, I want the Rabshakeh and these Assyrians to go back for right now. And then later they're, you know, because they're responding to this rumor, they're afraid about, you know, Cush getting out of hand. And then they come back. And because of God's timing, God's knows, God knows the second time then they come, it's not going to be good for them. They're not going to leave with their lives this time. You are absolutely correct, AJ. I think the key word is trust. Yes. When God says, this is what I want you to do, you know, think of what he said to Moses, speak to the stone. And what did Moses do? Lift the cane or the staff. And, of course, God did do that, but he was punished for that. Uh, you know, uh, Psalm 37, 5, commit your ways unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I am not God. I'm not called here to question what God does. I'm here to believe what he has said. Uh, right. in, Psalm, in Psalm chapter 2, verse uh, 1, 2, and 3, he said, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And then uh, continuing with that, he laughs at them. He just laughs. He who right. sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. And then he will speak his wrath. And this is kind of what you are seeing right here, brother. 
what God is saying is always good for us. Right. And it is in matters of faith that we stand firm on the Word of God. Uh, if you know, we just celebrated the Reformation three weeks ago right. mm-hmm. with Luther saying, I cannot, I cannot move away because the Word of God has spoken. And this is kind of the image right here. All that God is directing to show again what powerful, what power there is in His Word. And if you look at... Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For the word of the Lord is powerful, right? The word there that is used for power is dynamite. Mm-hmm. Just think right. what the word does. It's dynamite. It blows to smithereen everything that stands in front of it. And earlier you talked about uh, the angel of the Lord comes to the rescue. In the Hebrew, uh, when you hear the Melech Yahweh, that's the pre-incarnate Christ, and I'll highlight that when we go, so I'll let you keep going with the next portion as we continue uh, with verse 14, please. Right. All right, yes, let's let's go ahead and keep going. We, we, we will get there. So the, the first time, you know, that God is showing that he has control even over the hearts and minds of the foreigners, and so they, they, they go away for a time. But the second time, God's going to do something really big, show some of that power that you were just talking about. But so here we are in verse 14 here. This is uh, now getting back to the correspondence here, um, and then also his prayer. So this is Hezekiah now, verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wooden stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord." So, yeah, the, this prayer of faith, just beautiful, right? Yeah, I love this portion of the prayer. Um, Hezekiah, at this moment, is wearing his faith on his sleeve, and he is demonstrating his utter humility by taking these letters that the messengers have brought to them, and he puts it before God. He says, Dear God, take a look what's written about you. And he declares, You are the only God out there. All of the others is uh, reminiscent of Psalm 135, where it says, they have ears, but they don't hear. They have eyes. This is of the other gods that all men made, like a piece of wood. You make it a carpet. They can't talk. They have mouth. They can't talk. They have ears. They can't hear. They got eyes. They can't see. None of that stuff. But yet you are the one. Yes, indeed, all of uh, Sennacherib has done. He has destroyed many, but you are the God of hosts. And in you, we put our hope. Open your eyes. Open our ears. Do what you have promised. This is kind of what Hezekiah is doing. 
And this was reminiscent for me when I was uh, preparing for this chapter. Mm-hmm. I was reminded of the uh, book of Exodus chapter 14, where, you know, the Israelites are stuck between the uh, Red Sea right. uh, as well as the Egyptians on the one hand. And what does uh, Moses say to them? Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Two thoughts. The word for salvation in verse 13 is from the same root, Yeshua. Mm -hmm. So in essence, Moses is saying, you guys sit down, Grab a cup of coffee. (laughs) Jesus, what's going to do? Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's on the stage. See what he's going to do. And then he goes on to say, he is going to fight for you. Your God is going to fight. You don't have to fight because you cannot defeat the enemy, but I can. And in that hope, um, Isaiah comforts Hezekiah. And in that prayer, Hezekiah cries out to his father in heaven and says, Lord, you are Ata Levadecha. You are the only one. There's no other like you that can do, um, you know, uh, do the things that you have promised. Only you can deliver. Only you can give hope. Only you can be uh, the one that demonstrates the awesomeness of who you are. So pay attention. Come to the rescue. Yeah, absolutely. And just like you were saying at the beginning, that that key idea of don't look at the problem, but look at God, look at who he is. And that's the difference maker, right, in all of this. In the previous chapter, when the messengers of Hezekiah were sent out, Eliakim and um, and Joah and Shebna, you know, it was all just like, hey, look at everything that Assyria has done and what we're going to do to you. But here, Hezekiah, in faith, what, he, what is he going back to? You know what? All that's true. Okay, you're so strong, and yeah, you could beat us and all the rest, but you know what? There's the one thing you're forgetting. Our God is the one what? that made heaven and earth. And that is the one thing that makes all the difference. Our God is the creator. Your gods and those other gods are just wood and stone. They're nothing. This is the God who is the creator, and the creator is the one who is the savior. If he can create, then he can save. That's the idea, right, that goes back to what you were saying about our Lord Jesus. Yeah, in verse 16, AJ, you see the theology of this man, Hezekiah. Right. Because he has a firm belief in the word and the power of the word. Because he begins in verse 16, uh, Lord of hosts, Yahweh, Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, um, who dwells above the cherubim. Okay, you are the one. You are the one of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are the one who created the heavens and the earth. And so he's calling back to remembrance of what took at creation only through the simple word. God spoke and there was, and God speaks and there is. We did that yesterday at the Trinity. 
Mm. I spoke the word of the uh, consecration of the element. This Mm -hmm. is the word of God for the forgiveness of sins. And in that word, there is power, there is light, there is hope, there is rescue, there is deliverance. And this is what you see here in Hezekiah. Right. Absolutely. That's the thing that makes all the difference. So even even in the midst of the situation that seems hopeless, as we as we've seen, God can create God can create a way out. So we, we don't have that much time left. So I think I need to read a, a larger chunk here, beginning Go in ahead. verse twenty. Yeah, beginning in verse twenty one, it introduces um, like a longer section. It, it's kind of a little bit of a of a poem, an oracle from Isaiah. Uh, I think I'm just going to go ahead and read to the end of that. So I'll start it in 21 in the introduction, and I will just conclude there at verse 29 at the end of it. Um, And we can have time for some comments before we look at the final section of the story then uh, that picks up. All right, so here's verse 21. Then Isaiah, the son of Amoz, said to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you. She scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your servants you have mocked the Lord, and you have said, With my many chariots I have gone up to the heights of the mountains, to the far recesses of Lebanon, to cut down its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses, to come to its remotest height, its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank waters, to dry up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard? that I determined it long ago, I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass, that you should make fortified cities crash into heaps of ruins, while their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded, and have become like the plants of the field and like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blighted before it's grown. I know you're sitting down and you're going out and coming in and you're raging against me, Because you have raged against me and your complacency has come to my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. Wow. So a powerful prophecy from Isaiah saying, you know, you think you are so strong, don't you know? I'm the one who gave you that strength, and now I'm the one who's going to take it all away. For the sake of time, let me just uh, give a couple of thoughts. Again, the prophet Isaiah speaks, thus says the Lord. That's number one. And this is also reminiscent of King Nebuchadnezzar, who Mm -hmm. thought himself so highly, and what did God do? Make him eat grass and grow fingernails, living in the wilderness. Uh, You know, um, in the book of Proverbs, this is paraphrased, man proposes, but God disposes. We Mm -hmm. think we are so mighty, we are so powerful, but God says you're nothing. You're just an instrument in my hand. I move mountains. You can't. I mean, even though, if you notice what Sennacherib says, he primarily says, well, I, 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 it's all about me. Mm-hmm. He never gives any glory to God, even though God put him in that place. Right. And the point of the prophet Isaiah, which is really comforting, 
even to me as well as to you and all of our listeners, is that when you put your hope in the Word of God, there is truth and there is life, there is deliverance and there is freedom. Uh, in, the, in the book of uh, Luke, chapter 16, we have the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And the rich man is suffering, and he wants, um, he wants um, what do you call it, um, to have somebody uh, the, the go drop of water on his tongue. Dead. Right. And Abraham says, no, they have the word. And he says, no, no, if somebody comes from the word, uh, from the dead, and Abraham says, right. if they don't believe the word, even if somebody comes mm-hmm. uh, is not from the dead, is not going to believe. And this is what you have right here. This is a great, great um, glimpse of the hope that God can give. Absolutely. That even as scary and monstrous as Assyria is, right? We saw those descriptions several chapters ago that um, that Assyria and Egypt are compared to those monsters, uh, Leviathan and uh, Rahab, right? As scary as they seem, they are just animals in God's stable, and God can turn them back and make them go wherever he wants. And that's and that's the image. He's just going to put put the hook in his nose and the bit in his mouth and turn him on back like he's his domesticated animal here. And, and so then the question then is, well, how is God going to do that? How is God just going to make Assyria go home with its tail between its legs? Well, that's what we see in the last part of the chapter here. So we only have just a few minutes. So let's read this and see how does God bring this to pass? How does he send Assyria back home? Picking it up at verse 30. And this shall be the sign for you. This year you shall eat what grows of itself. And in the second year, what springs from that? Then in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit, and the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore, thus says the Lord God concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nishrok, his god, Adremelech and Sherezer, his sons, struck him down with the sword. And after they escaped into the land of Ararat, Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. So just like Isaiah said, God brings it to pass by the power of the angel of the Lord, as you said, the pre-incarnate Christ. Well, another thing, too, look at the powerful promises. He will not even step into the city. Mm-hmm. He will not even shoot an arrow. So the powerful hands of Jesus will direct the salvation that he brings about. You know, if, if I or you were left alone to face the devil, 
we would be chewed and spit out just like a grinding meat machine. Mm-hmm. But with Jesus by our side, none of this will happen. And this is the promise that we have, which Jesus says, Lo, I am with you. Uh, in the end of Matthew, and then in John chapter 10, where he says, No one will snatch you out of my hands. That's a great comfort. It was a great comfort for the um, people of Hezekiah's day, but it should also be a comfort to us, dear brother. This is our comfort. This is our hope. It is in the word of the living God. Thus says the Lord. This is why we end up um, each of the readings on Sunday morning during divine service. This is the word of the Lord. And what do the people respond? Thanks be to Thanks God. Thanks be to God. It's the word that gives us, it's the word that gives us hope. Amen. Yeah, certainly. Like you can, you can almost hear it's, it's as if, you know, uh, Isaiah and Hezekiah would be singing a mighty fortress is our God, right? I mean, that's, that, that's what's going on, right? I mean, there he is. He's a mighty shield and weapon. He's defending the city, but he's also, he's going out into the camp of the Assyrians and striking them down. I mean, and it's, it's just like the Red Sea all over again. Instead of uh, Pharaoh's armies washed up on the shore, it's you wake up in the morning and there they all are, the Assyrians struck down. And, and then even the king himself struck down at the mighty hand of God. It's kind of reminding too of uh, Psalm 46, uh, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. You know, that's, that's the great comfort we have. That's the great comfort we have, brother, that he is our God. And he says, it's not your battle. I will fight for you. I am the king of kings and lord of lords. I will fight on your behalf. I will deliver you. And of course, all you got to look, as I said uh, earlier in my opening statement, the twists and turns and troubles and triumphs, all you got to do is look to the cross in that uh, emblem of the great suffering. Jesus brings the great deliverance and brings about out of the worst of things the greatest things for us amen all out of time today but thank you so much for guiding us through this this long chapter full of those twists and turns and helping us to see how it really is just a comfort for us too. the same god of isaiah and hezekiah fights for us as well thank you brother looking forward to having you on again real soon god's blessings take care bye-bye Everybody, Pastor Nabil Noor, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota, also fourth vice president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thanks for joining us today. We thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Check them out, lhfmissions.org. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Until next time, everybody, peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.